to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Which one of you, which one of you, Jesus asked this question of the Pharisee and the scribes in our gospel reading this morning. So I think we can tell that what he is about to say will be particularly important. Something so important that he is assured that we will be able to identify with it. And this important message, the subject of our gospel reading this morning, is the lost and found parables. These might be familiar images to you. The shepherd and his sheep, the woman and her coin. In both examples, we are reminded of the persistent love of the seeker. As I sat with them this last week, I was reminded of a personal story from a while back. Every year on Christmas morning, my family gets into the car and we head up to spend Christmas with my parents. Let me tell you, this was and is a great treat for us. Was, because until recently, they lived on a 26-acre ranch up in the Gold Rush area in the community of Mountain Ranch, next to San Andreas and Sonora. If you were going up to Sacramento and then go east for about an hour and a half on your way to Tahoe, you would stumble upon them. The closest grocery store or little post office was about a half-hour drive. What makes their location ideal for us is that they have no cell service. And for the most part, they are pretty much cut off from the rest of the world. For us, this is a great opportunity to literally unplug. So for a week, we spend time visiting, eating, playing cards, and working on a jigsaw puzzle. So this morning... I'd like to share with you that jigsaw puzzle. My mom goes to great strides each year to find a puzzle that is worthy for the task. Over the years, the puzzles have grown in the amount of pieces and the difficulty. One such puzzle that came to mind was a puzzle with a picture of a bunch of needles and a piece of hay nestled into it. So what we had there was a hay in a needle stack. This puzzle, needless to say, proved to be one of the hardest. While meditating on the gospel, it was this last Christmas that came to mind. The puzzle certainly fit my mother's parameters, for it was by far, again, one of the most difficult puzzles we put together. And I could tell that my mother took great pride in picking this one out. That week, we had spent a great deal of time on it, and we weren't sure that we were going to be able to get it finished before it was time to leave. But on the day before we were packing up the car, the puzzle just seemed to come together. It was as if it desired to be solved. As the anticipation of the completion finally came into the view, we realized that we had a problem. A very serious problem, mind you. One that we had never experienced before. As the pieces were lovingly placed into the final picture, 
we came up short by one last piece. I was surprised by the turn of events, not so much that we were missing a piece, but by the emotions that immediately ensued. There was panic. What are we going to do now? How? We've got to find it. There was frustration. Okay, who has the last piece? Steve? There was disbelief. Well, that can't be right. Did you look for it? Was it knocked to the ground? Along with disappointment, sadness, and a real sense of loss. Now, before our concern begins to outweigh the message, I will tell you that the puzzle piece was found. Apparently, one of the dogs carried it off to their bed. <laughs> I, I think they wanted to be part of the process as well. But once that piece was found, once it was placed into the framework of that picture, boy, did we rejoice. For once the puzzle was completed, the smiles came out, and there was a feeling of complete gratitude. The completion of the picture, knowing the work had gone into it, just seemed to make everything great for us. Because we got to see the final beautiful picture that we chased for several days. Thanks be to God for the return of the lost it is this same loss that Jesus is addressing when he speaks to the Pharisees and the scribes. Luke writes that the loss pertains to the tax collectors and the sinners. It is the lost that Jesus has invited to his table. The Pharisees and the scribes believe that Jesus, by eating and drinking with the tax collectors and sinners, was defiling himself. And they were grumbling about the company that he keeps, the company that he keeps. That seems like a very passive translation, for the true Greek would read company that he, Jesus, seeks out, for that is the great, correct Greek translation, Jesus, the seeker. In response to the Pharisees, Jesus tells these parables of lost and found, Parables that have to do with homes and parties and letting anyone in. The issue is for who is in and who is out. Who is lost and who is found? And what does it mean to be saved by Christ and not forgotten by God? The starting point for Jesus is grace. And just to be clear, grace is defined as God's love towards us, unearned and undeserved. So because of Jesus' love for us, he is searching, not blaming. He is finding, not punishing. He is rejoicing, not condemning. Jesus is not concerned with who's in or who's out, or who gets a dinner invitation. For Jesus, everyone is already in. Everyone is invited. The only question is one of presence. Now, the parables, notice the parables that Jesus offers. They're not about being wrong. They're about being lost. A sheep is lost. A coin 
is lost. A puzzle piece is lost. There is nothing about blame or finding fault that doesn't seem to be Jesus' concern. His concern is for the one that is lost, the one that is missing, the one that is absent. Jesus doesn't explain how the lost one became lost. He doesn't blame or judge. Again, that's not the issue. The issue for Jesus is recovering and reclaiming the lost. Is that our concern as well? Are we the seekers or are we the missing? And if we are the seekers, are we inclusive or exclusive? If you will bear with me, I want to return to the puzzle with this question. Which of us has ever looked at a puzzle piece and looked for a place that it might fit only to decide it won't? You look at the piece and it looks like part of it's too big or too small to fit the puzzle where you're looking. Or the color may not be right. So we disregard it. Then to our astonishment, someone else picks up that exact same piece and places it right where we thought it would go. Now, how many times in our lives have we not engaged with others because we made the assessment that they wouldn't quite fit with us? Maybe certain aspects of them seem too large or too small for a good fit. Maybe they have a very outgoing personality, or maybe they seem too quiet. Or maybe we think that they might not have what it takes for us for whatever reason. Then God intervenes and to our astonishment places them right where they need to be within our community. Or here's another which one of us has tried to put in a puzzle piece, and it seems like it might fit, but we're not really sure. I mean, it does fit, but it seems pretty loose. It's a piece that is not yet anchored by other pieces, thereby securing it. What seems to be missing is the other pieces around it to hold it in, to secure it into the puzzle. Do we leave it where it is? Or do we remove it until more pieces are there for it to fit in? Maybe that piece is the catalyst to securing and welcoming other pieces into the picture, other people into the community. And once these pieces are in the puzzle, how beautiful is the transformation of the picture, the searching, the finding, and the rejoicing. Do you remember Reverend Jennifer's sermon last week that Jesus challenges us to put God first in order to be God's true disciples? So it seems that one doesn't have to run away from God to be lost. To get found, I think all we have to do is turn towards God. I think getting found requires admitting that we belong to God and being willing to live our lives in a way that shows others we belong to God. And that means that when we see people turning towards God who might not be our idea of good, well, we welcome them into this family with open arms, just as Jesus welcomed the sinners and the Pharisees, just as God welcomed us. So here's the thing. We belong to God. When we stray, 
lose our way, or even run away from God, God will persistently look for us and is always ready to welcome us back home with joy because God loves us. God wants us to be in a loving relationship with all that we come in contact with because that is how we are created. We belong to God. The question for us that we must answer is simply this. Do we want to be lost or do we want to be found? We can choose to stay lost and suffer the consequences of our rebellion against God's love for us. Or we can trust Jesus has come to restore us to God, to bring us home to the one who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. Christ calls us to welcome the outcast because we were once the outcast. Christ calls us to rejoice when one of the least of these discovers that this is home. Christ calls us to fully embrace each person he brings into our midst, not as a project to be worked on, but as one of us, redeemed by God's grace alone. You see, love is revealed in Jesus' searching, in the finding and the rejoicing. These are not three different things, three separate actions or moments in time, but three manifestations of God's love. They are the ongoing presence of God in Christ in each one of our lives. This means there is a place for each one of us at this table. We matter. We all matter. No matter if we are present or if we are lost or if we are missing, or if we are absent. We are all desired by and important to God. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. He is constantly searching for us, finding us, and rejoicing over our presence at this table. Jesus invites you to come, for the supper is ready. Amen.